This is ABC Grandstand's Motor Racing Show. Motor Racing Show. All talk with Scott Rowlandson on ABC Grandstand Digital and online. Hello, good morning. Let's get straight into it today because there is gazillions. I don't know if that's a word, but there's lots to talk about this week. And uh, welcome along. From Brad Jones Racing, Jason Bright. Brighty, good to have you back. Oh, great to be back, mate. We'll get to Winton in just a sec because I want to know what happened to you in race three. But you don't have to tell <laughs> me just yet. We'll get to that in a tick. No. But uh, Daniel Ricciardo, who we've spoken about for weeks. It's more than weeks. It's months now. It's almost years, really. It's been going and going and going. And finally, he's gone. He'll be in Red Bull next year. I guess this was reasonably expected. But good news. How do you see the, the signing of him taking over for Mark Webber for next year? Oh, it's great news. You know, the, the Red Bulls have been the, the car of the field the last couple of years and, and to have an Aussie replacing Mark is, uh, you know, is, is great. You know, it's, it's his chance to go out there and, and, you know, win some races now. Stepping up to the Red Bull, I'm sure he'll be expecting wins and, and the pressure will be on him to get wins. You know, that they're, they're a team that, you know, has been winning a lot of races with both drivers and, uh, you know, they'll expect their, their new signing to, to be getting wins for sure. Jason Bright from Brad Jones Racing and Scott Rollinson with you on ABC Grandstand this morning. Soon we'll preview Rally Australia back on the shores again this fortnight and it heads to the Coffs Coast. We'll talk more about that soon. And also changes to the open wheel set up in Australia. Brody, you're a former Formula Ford winner, is that right? How, how many years back do we go for that? Uh, 95. 95. Yeah, so I did Formula Ford for... Three years there in state series and then the national series and uh, and then did Formula Ford 2000 when I went to the states in 1996 and it is a big shame that we've you know we've lost Formula Ford here but you know as long as we get it right and and uh, you know we're able to improve that lower step on the ladder for our drivers then you know hopefully it'll be for the right reasons. Mm, won't exist in 2014 that category. We'll talk about what might replace it a little bit later on this morning. Grandstand V8s. Well, let's get into the V8 supercar side of things. And, Brighty, for yourself, it was it, it was looking like a pretty good weekend for you at Winton. Uh, your test track, a couple of good results in the early races, and then race three, what happened? It all came unstuck, didn't it? What it, happened? Uh, it was going well. You know, we, um, you know we, scored, we scored the most points for the weekend up to that point and made an absolute shocking start. It, it seriously felt like there was uh, water or fuel or something down on, on my grid, and Scott McLaughlin behind me made a bad start as well. And so we had to sort of come through from... From uh, fourth place, you know, late in the race there, and and uh, you know, I, I got the wrong pedal. I, I, I sort of got my foot caught on the brake pedal, getting over to the brake into the second last corner, and there's just no room for error, error there. So, so hang on, you know, you're, 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 t- you're telling me as a senior race driver, you're going to blame yourself. You're not going to put it on <laughs> anyone here. You're actually going to put the hand up and say it was me. I'm shocked, I mean, yeah, Jason. It, it was. It was uh, I've got no one else to blame. You know, it was. <laughs> it was very disappointing. I was absolutely gutted. You know, we, we like you said, we had, we, did, we were having a great weekend. You know, even a, a third or a fourth place in that last race, I think we would have been within a hundred points of or around a hundred points behind Jamie for the championship lead in you know in fourth or fifth place. So it was a you know a massive blow. But you know the car speed that we had, and you know, I think the car speed that we'll take into the rest of this season. You know, it still bodes well. It was a big weekend in terms of the championship. The two triple eight cars of Lounge and Wind Cup are off the pace really over the course of the weekend, and it's opened things up a bit in the championship. It also led to the first win for Kelly Racing with a Nissan badge on the front of their cars. But this went with a bit of controversy. V8 Supercars trialled a 70% ethanol blend fuel down from the regular 85, three cars at Winton. What it meant is the Nissans of James Moffat, who we'll hear from in just a tick, and Michael Caruso. 
finished 1-2 on the E70. Still the first win for Nissan, and we'll talk to James about that in just a sec. But, Bridie, there's been plenty of talk up pit lane, and I've seen tweets from everyone weighing in on this. What's your take? Any advantage, or was it just a good, solid result from the two boys at Nissan? That's the, that's the one thing about it. It's, it's so close in V8 supercars at the moment that you know, any small gain could you know can take these guys from 10th place where they're 9th or 10th place where they're able to qualify without it to the win but if that was you know who knows whether that was even the case the hard part is measuring it you know you're talking about 15 hundredths of a second between first and ninth place in in our series at the moment and that's only a hundredth off every corner at Winton so you know it's It's um, it's it is very tight you know the teams obviously you know don't want to you know, we need we need to, we need to approach this very carefully. You know, it would um, you know it would be a massive disaster for the championship if uh, if we got to Bathurst, and you know, it probably wouldn't be a disaster for Nissan if they finished one, two, three, four. But you know, if if uh, if they did, it wouldn't do you know a lot for the championship if they came out and and uh, you know were able to qualify up the front because of their you know, if if there is a fuel advantage. Is that a is that a very diplomatic diplomatic sledge from yourself there? Have you chosen your words rather carefully, mm. Brody? Well, I mean, at the press conference on Sunday night, you know, it was. It was talked about a lot. Uh, sorry, Saturday night it was talked about a lot, and I suggested then that you know the easy way to do this is to to make them run on E85 for the Sunday and and see how it goes. Um, up till that point, you know, James had been quickest in both practice sessions and then gone on to win the 60-60 race in all of, so all of the sessions that they were running the E70, and then you know didn't go quickest in any session or win any races after they stopped using it. You know. Whether there's other factors, whether they just didn't do as good a job, um, it's hard to believe. But you know, you just—that's uh, the trouble with the sport, or the, the difficulty with doing these sort of things. It is that close at the moment; it doesn't take much of an advantage, and it's it's practically immeasurable. Well, let's bring the man himself into the conversation. James Moffat is the man who won the race and the man who has the the first win for the reincarnated Nissan team now at Kelly Racing. James, thanks for joining us on the show, first of all, mate. And aside from the controversy, congratulations as being the, the bloke that stands on top step for the first time in the Nissan team. Yeah, thanks very much. Uh, I guess it's been almost a couple of weeks now since the win and uh, all this talk about E70 is uh, getting a bit thin, to be honest. But uh, look, that's just the way the sport is and people are always going to speak about it. And probably try and um, take, it's, you know, probably take it a bit of a gloss off what we achieved on uh, on Saturday up at Winton, but um, anyway, we're looking forward to Sandown and, and moving ahead. Do you want to throw a few punches back? There's been quite a bit up and down pit lane. Uh, I've seen the tweets. There was a, an interesting one from Garth Tander. There's been a few interesting ones post straight after the race and then in the, the week or two following. Like you say, for yourself, it does take the, the gloss off the first win. Do you want to throw a few barbs back? Oh, no, not really. I'm, I'm not too interested in, in getting that involved with it. You know, all the people... Uh, you know, every single V8 supercar team owner um, signed off on the use of the E70 in, in two of our cars and then also one in one of the um, Mercedes. So uh, it wasn't like it was all top secret going into the weekend. It was, you know, tested a lot prior to the weekend by V8 supercars themselves. So um, they're pretty comfortable that there's no performance advantage in it. Uh, it was purely, I guess, a measure to try and... Uh, even up the fuel economy between uh, the Nissans and uh, the Mercedes and, and, the, and the Ford and Holden. So uh, I guess it was, I guess, something that was looked more trying to uh, give us a bit more of a level play field come the endurance races. So I accept that our probably Sunday results at Winter didn't look very good, but as Bridie just mentioned, with the field being so close, 
we just simply outsmarted ourselves on uh, the first qualifying session for, for Sunday. We thought we'd uh, try and tune the car up a bit, and we did the exact opposite. Qualified 25th, went back to uh, how the car was for Saturday and was able to qualify ninth for the second race. But um, as again Jason said, you know, tenth of a second, tenth and a half a second covering the top ten. Uh, on Saturday, we were on the right side of that tenth and we qualified third. And on Sunday, we were on the wrong side of the tenth and we qualified ninth. So um, that's just how tight the championship is. But, um, yeah, like I said, trying to look forward uh, to Sandown now. James, um, congratulations again on the win. You know, it's a, it's always hard to get that first one. It must have been, you know, frustrating watching guys like Scotty and uh, and Chaz coming in in your old team to, to sort of get their first wins. But it's good to get the monkey off the back and, and uh, you know... I certainly don't, you know, think that that uh, you know the Nissans are anywhere near dominant at the moment. But you know, you've had a really good season so far. Um, you know, you've outpaced the two black cars. Why? Why? You know, the, the yellow side of the garage seems to be going extremely well at the moment. Yeah. Got, what, do you, what do you put uh, that down to? I'm not really sure, Brody. It was just, um, I, I think you know yourself how competitive the championship is, and just sort of maybe taking a bit of an approach this year, just trying to keep things simple and. Um, you know, there's been some race meetings that have been uh, quite good for us. Clearly, Winton was one of them. So it was a little bit frustrating seeing an old car win a race at Queensland Raceway with Chaz. But, you know, great effort for you know, all those guys at DJR. I, I obviously know how hard that they've worked. So uh, I was very happy for the team. But we've also been a bit frustrated this year with, with our engine performance. It's you know been pretty clear that we've been down on, on engine power. So... We've been saying all along that we've felt the cars have been handling quite well um, and of all the tracks in the country that we go to, Winton was probably going to be our best shot. But probably deep down, I didn't expect us to go quite as well as we did. But um, we, we certainly went into the weekend feeling a bit more confident. But uh, having said that, I think the next two races for us will be uh, a bit more hard work. All fuel controversy aside, as Bridey points out, the two yellow cars have shown uh, they've shown quite a bit throughout the, the season. How do you see the, the two Enduros panning out for you two? Yeah, well, we're certainly going into the, the endurance races with the same attitude that we've had all year in terms of going in there trying to do the best we can, but the problem is every other team comes out as well, so we, we know that we're going to be in probably for a bit of a hard time, especially in Sandown and Bathurst, just with where we're at with the engine at the moment, so you know, we might be in for a couple of long days, but also at the same time, it's the first time that we've been there with the new generation cars that both stand out in Bathurst. And I guess if there is one thing going into both those races in terms of a bit of a question mark, it might be a reliability of some of the new components on the cars. So, uh, you know, if we can keep our noses clean and have good reliability, you never know where we might end up at the end of the races. But um, I certainly think that... Uh, Friday's model looking pretty strong going to the endurance races. They've uh, definitely had good speed all year, and BJR always seem to find an extra couple of tenths up of Bathurst, that's for sure. Oh, you two are getting along. We might leave it there, James. <laughs> Great to have you on the program, mate. Look forward to chatting after uh, win number two when we're not talking anything to do with fuel, and uh, good luck, mate, as you head towards the uh, enduros coming up. Thanks very much, guys. Cheers. This is All Talk Racing Show with Scott Rowlandson on ABC Grandstand Digital and online. We get to uh, changes in open wheel. Uh, in the open wheel is soon the dumping of Formula Ford for 2014. We'll talk more about uh, what might replace it a little bit later on this morning. This is All Talk Motor Racing Show with Scott Rowlandson on ABC Grandstand Digital and online. 
And with Jason Bright from Brad Jones Racing as well. Uh, Brighty, let's turn to Rally Australia. It's back on Australian shores after uh, a, a hiatus. They switch between Rally Australia and Rally New Zealand, but it's back at the Coffs Coast and it comes up in the next fortnight. The man that can tell us more is Chris Nixon. Morning, Chris. Hey, g'day. Morning, Scott, and good morning, uh, Jason. Hey, Chris. Finally back. It, two years feels like a long time. It was the first instalment at, at Coffs last time. It's a, it's a long wait. How are you feeling heading towards uh, the meet again next week? Uh, very excited, and uh, I have to say very confident. We're really looking at a fantastic 10th uh, round of the World Championship. Um, the story that's emerging, of course, is that um, Australia could very well be the event at which we see the World Champion driver, uh, uh, if not officially crowned, uh, certainly clinching the championship. Chris, give us a, the WRC championship in a nutshell. The story of the year has been the return of Volkswagen as a team uh, to the championship. They've never, in fact, they have been in the championship in the past, but uh, quite some time ago and really not in a uh, in a very substantial position, if you like. Um, but this time they've returned with a, uh, a full factory effort. Two cars, uh, one for uh, Sebastian Ogier, the other for Yari Matty Latfula, who's a refugee, if you like, from Ford, and um, a third car in a, in a um, subsidiary team for Andreas Mikkelsen from uh, Norway. Um, Volkswagen came out of the box uh, punching after nine seasons that had been dominated by Citroën and Sebastian Loeb. Uh, Loeb has stepped down from the championship this year uh, full-time. He's doing four rounds. Uh, they don't include Australia, so he's not a championship contender. Uh, at Monte Carlo at the beginning of the year, uh, Sebastian did win um, for Citroen, but after that it was uh, pretty much being dominated by uh, by Volkswagen and by Sebastian Ogier in particular. He's got 184 points in the championship at the moment, and uh, his nearest rival is uh, Thierry Neuville, who's on 109, so he's got a massive lead. It's certainly been a long time since uh, since we've had another driver win the World Championship. You know, Sebastian Loeb winning, was it nine or ten in a row? You know, nine this has got to be a yeah. good thing for the championship. It, it, it absolutely has, and it's set uh, Citroën back on its heels a little bit this year. They uh, they have been struggling. They, uh, they I think, have only won one um, event this year, and ironically, that was, that was that one in Germany last week, um, which was won by Danny Sordo, who um, is being benched for Australia. Sordo's own performance this year has... Uh, has not been up to Citroën's expectations, so they benched him for Australia, and Chris Meek is coming down in his place. Um, but ironically, that's that might have been the motivation for uh, Danny Sordo to uh, put out all stops and 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 get a win in Germany. So um, it's it's a pretty exciting scenario for Australia. The event starts uh, 12th of September in Coffs Harbour itself at 4 p.m. Uh, we have a rally show when the cars across the ramp uh, straight into the super special stage, which uh, this year, right in the middle of town, we found a park that's got a velodrome in it. So she's going to be pretty tight and busy, but there's a little 300-metre um, extension out into uh, the streets of Coffs Harbour. That's all been built now. All of, all the barrier fencing is around that, and uh, oh, I think that's going to be a, a, a super special stage with a tremendous amount of atmosphere. It'll be a fantastic event, Chris. We'll have to catch up again in a fortnight after we get through Rally Australia and have another chat, mate. I appreciate you joining us on the program this morning. Thanks very much. When I get off the phone, you can ask Jason Bright about his association with Fords and Rally Cars. Ah. Oh, hang on. While you're there... What happened, Brighty? Didn't you, uh, oh, when we, you dabbled built, with yeah, Brightech, didn't you have a, a team in the uh, ARC for a bit? Yeah, we built built a couple of Fiestas there uh, back in 2007 and uh, and ran them in that in the 2007 Australian Rally Championship. But, you know, unfortunately, the, the funding from Ford was drying up, you know, left, right and centre at that point, uh, you know, both in V8 Supercars and for the Rally Program. And, 
it left me with no option to, but to get out of it. But, you know, a lot of fun. A lot of fun. Good little bit of uh, side info, Chris. Talk again in a fortnight. Thanks, guys. You're listening to All Talk with Scott Rollinson on ABC Grandstand Digital and online. Let's get off the dirt and head to two wheels. Brody, you almost gave us the, uh, the perfect segue there, talking about Ford pulling their funding and uh, what was happening with you and Relling. We'll, we'll get to what's happening in open wheelers. As a formula, former, it's hard to say this quickly, as a former Formula Ford, former Formula Ford, that's, that's right, isn't it? Yeah, champion. What did we say, 95 for yourself? That's right. Won't yeah. exist in 2014 in the way it has before. Winners, apart from yourself, you've got Chaz Mostert, Jamie Winkup, Will Davison, Tanda Lowndes, Stephen Richards, Russell Ingle, David Reynolds. It's, it's massive, the drivers that have come through this program. Won't there's, exist. There's not many guys since, since 1993 that haven't actually made it to V8 supercars or some form of international racing So it's, it's, you know, that, that have won the championship. So it's been a, a great feeding ground for, for Australian motorsport. Let's bring into the conversation Eugene Rocker. He's the CEO of CAMS who has been in control of the Formula Ford Series in recent years. Eugene, I appreciate you taking the call this morning. Thanks for joining us. It's okay, Scott. And, uh, g'day, Jason. Why is, hey, it, why is it gone? What's led to it getting to this point where you've had to go, this isn't a viable series for us anymore? Well, I think a couple of points. Uh, one, that I think both have been, been touched on by Jason. He talked about Ford um, having pulled out of rallying in the past. Well, um, sadly, the market in Australia is such that Ford pulled out of um, Formula Ford support at the end of 2012, um, and they left the Formula Ford management sort of in the lurch a little bit. And secondly... Um, if you take a sort of whole-of-sport approach to the grid numbers, the money, the expense, the cost, um, it's it's becoming harder and harder for us to justify how it could continue on as, a, as Jason said, a prime category to greet the kids who are coming out of carts into open wheels. And so we feel, we feel this is a staged process. We think the first thing to do is to be fair to the competitors and the drivers and tell them we can't support a national championship in 2014. There are other options, of course, and... As we speak, um, we've got a driver development manager who's been appointed and we're working on what we believe to be hopefully a better plan forward for open wheelers. And that driver development manager is Cameron McConville? Yeah, Cam McConville's got some experience. I know Jason would know who he is and he's someone who's come up through carts and uh, knows a fair bit about the sport. Um, it's, not, it's not easy to get former drivers to uh, give up jobs and become uh, involved in cams in this role, but um, he's already been inside the tent for a few months and we thought it was a natural, logical choice and he's going to be working with some people around the country and overseas to come up with what we believe to be um, you know, world's best practice on driver development. But we couldn't see right now Formula Ford as a national championship being a part of that. Do, do you think you'll have a replacement by 2014? Or? Well, there's two parts. It's a good question, but a second part of that is what is the replacement? I mean, uh, we don't want to rush this, Jason, because we no. think um, that... Watching Formula Ford um, sort of wither on the vine, to put to put it bluntly, over the last two years has been hard. Um, and we can't run categories as a general rule. It's not not ideal for the regulator to be in a holus bolus running categories. And so we need to not only find what we believe to be the best open wheeler pathway that'll be the first plan part of a plan, but then actually make sure that we find one that's sustainable. Um, and so really, to answer your question, Scott, um, we'd love to think it could happen in fourteen. But we don't want to commit to the same sort of pathway that's led to, um, you know, the disintegration of numbers on the grid in Formula Ford. The, the key thing is affordability. 
and it's really been a mind-blowing exercise for me to see how much money is spent on Formula Ford. What's affordable, Eugene? What would be well, there? I think, I, I think certainly 250 grand is too much for a, a sort of a yearly spend in a professional team. Um, you know, we, we contribute through the Cam's Rising Star a pittance compared to what is spent on 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 that driver development program through through the Formula Ford. So 250 is way too much. We know that there are mums and dads out there spending 60 to 65 and mortgaging homes to get their kids on the grid. I think the answer lies somewhere in between. So there's a fair bit of work to be done to identify the category, and everyone's talking about Formula 4. Um, everyone from the FIA down is talking about Formula 4. We would be irresponsible if we didn't listen, but we just can't roll out a Formula 4 tomorrow. We need to do a fair bit of work and make sure that it's, uh, it's affordable. And I think something around about the 100 to 150 category. If you're serious about becoming an international and national-level driver, um, this is not the sort of sport where you pick your kid out of Broadie playing footy on a football oval and give him a pair of boots. This is a serious investment in livelihoods and money and mechanics and support that just doesn't happen uh, uh, happen overnight. And CAMS needs to take stock of its own role in that. Um, you know, we don't do anywhere near the same level of profiling and psych reporting and, and support and family engagement that they do in the AFL, for example. You guys both know that I come out of that industry. Um, the, the comparison of the background work and support that's offered to young athletes in the AFL programs compared to what we do is, you know, with all due respect, chalk and cheese. One thing the AFL does have is, apart from a huge TV deal, which I know you're not going to get for a Formula Ford style category at this yep. point, but you've got that kind of money to play with and you've got big sponsorship dollar. With someone like Ford pulling out, do you shop around to manufacturers as well as this point for some interest? Is that on the on the table or is it straight to a Formula 4 style of, of category where you really look at that like the FIA is thinking as kind of that bridge between carts and then going into F3? Yeah, ideally you need a manufacturer. I mean, the most successful categories around the world have been underpinned by manufacturers. Have you spoken to anyone yet? Okay. Uh, well, we, we have to be very careful about what we can say and can't say in public, otherwise the, uh, the networks will go overboard. But what I can say <laughs> is this. We've had people that have approached us already about Formula 4 and we've also um, had discussions with manufacturers. Um, but it's a bit of a sell uh, on both sides. It's not one of those things where, you know, you can point to what's actually out there running at the moment. We can't say, well, why don't you go over to Germany and see, just sit by the track and watch the Formula 4 zing, zing past there. It's not actually up and running. So, therefore, it takes a fair bit of vision and a fair bit of um, sell, to use a, a, t a tasteless word, to actually get the sponsors on board. But, you know, Ford, withdrawing its support of Formula 4, pretty much indicates the state of a marketplace. It's not easy. But, you know, our challenge is to make sure we get it up and running, uh, if it's possible, if it's feasible, and if we've got that support. So the long-winded answer to your question is uh, we're talking and we're listening and we're working. I think the beauty of the Formula 4, you know, they're talking about being able to use different engines in different regions. So yeah, you know, that, that, it's, is, it's, that it's, is one, one benefit. Yeah, it's one chassis, one engine, predominantly region-based. Um, you know, the feed event becomes uh, something on the world level that, you know, Formula 4 drivers from each region who succeed then compete in a sort of mini-series, probably in one of the European countries. That will put anyone competing in that mini-series under the direct spotlight of the Formula 1 teams. Uh, and you're talking about 18, 19-year-old kids. The opportunities for, you know, a bit of luck and a little bit of hard work could be really inspiring for some young men and women uh, to find their way into Formula 3, Formula 1, and ultimately put uh, you know Australians on the map. We need you know I'm we're thrilled with Daniel Ricciardo being announced as a you know a driver for the leading Formula One team in the world. 
it just helps the, the local industry enormously, but we need to keep on producing more Daniel Ricciardos. You mightn't have a TV deal, but uh, with him in a car winning races, oh. you almost have a TV deal in itself in terms of advertising. Eugene, I appreciate you taking the call this morning. Good luck finding something, and let's hope it can, if not roll out in 2014, not be too far away. Thanks for your time. Thank you, guys, and thanks for your support. Eugene Rocker, the CEO of Cam's Brighty. Would you like um, Cam McConville's job? <laughs> Which one? Yeah, well, how many has he got? <laughs> got a few on the go at the moment. Porsche Cup and uh, V8 Supercars driving standards. And, is he bored? And now there's one with Cam. What's, he, what's he doing? He must be. Well, he left V8 Supercars and and uh, was going to work in his in his tyre dealership for a while there, and then sort of got his feet and ended up back racing again. So, so the moral to know, the story is tyres aren't exciting. No, not no. As, as exciting as, as what I, I think he thought. Jason Bright from Brad Jones Racing. Brighty, uh, next time we talk, you would have done the first enduro for the year at Sandown. Good luck. Andrew Thank Jones you. alongside you. How are you looking? Yes. I think we're looking all right. You know, the car was, like I said, great at Winton. You know, it was uh, it was good at QR. Um, you know, we, we sort of struggled with qualifying there, and I think we're on top of that now. So I'm really looking forward to the two enduros. Uh, Jonesy's been driving extremely well. We had a good test earlier this week, so, you know, fingers crossed. Big couple of weeks coming up in the V8 series. Stay up to date online, abc.net.au slash grandstand. On iTunes, you can subscribe to the podcast and keep up to date with all your motorsport news. Good luck, Brighty. Talking a fortnight. Cheers.